Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Famicom snob, Kat Bailey, and joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Great to be with you today on this very spoopy October 14th. So we're getting there. We're getting there. October 14th, the spookiest day. Everybody the is very salty. Day. Very salty that October the 13th did not happen on a Just Friday. Just missed. Just missed. Yeah. Could have had that magical October, Friday the 13th, the last, but also joining me is my other lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I'm all about the spooky month, the spooky, scary month, just embracing. I I want autumnal weather already. I'm like trying to manifest it by dressing in autumnal weather and it was 90 degrees outside. So that's what I get. What the hell is it doing 90 degrees over there? Like come come over here. It's a really, really nice, crisp autumn weather now. It's Texas. It's the angry sun from Mario just staring at us. (laughs) Kill Eric in particular. My father was once my when we lived in like kind of a smaller house and we were kind of like struggling for money, my father had to do his work out of the kitchen and we'd be playing Mario three in the in the living room right beside it and going and one day my father finally broke and said, I'm trying to deal with clients here and all I hear is like he just fucking lost it. Sorry for the swear word. We also have another guest here for her second appearance on Axe of the Blood God, the legendary arch sorceress and our greatest supporter is Vivi Complex. Hello, Kat. It's October, so it's Castlevania and pumpkin spice season. Mm. Ooh, two great flavors together. And Vivi was our $100 supporter for quite a while. And so she chose to talk about Valkyria Chronicles, a wonderful little tactics RPG. Speak, we were just talking about tactics RPGs in uh, the pre-show. So this is uh, this is like we were just kind of setting the tone, setting the mm-hmm, mood. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the perfect time to be talking about it because Mario Plus Rabbids is coming out really soon. And uh, Mario Plus Rabbids uh, is a real Valkyria Chronicles energy this time around. So pretty excited about that, right? I'm sure it will make wonderful comments about war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> excited for rabid Mario to make an extended monologue about just, just the horrors for, of discrimination. For my medic <laughs> rabbit to be shot on the field. It'll be Chris Pratt's voice. Just going, uh, him very drunkly, very, very sleepily talking about war and being hell. Hey, hey I'm trying to stop Koopas stop. here. We gotta stop the hey, war crimes. Here hey, we come. Gotta stop the war crimes. <laughs> war crimes, here we come. <laughs> war crimes, here we come. Cool. It, you know, episode title done. Already, already in. We got it. <laughs> we'll be getting to that conversation a little bit later. But first, if you enjoy the show, as always, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia, it's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And, well, Vivi likes to lurk around in our Discord, but Vivi, do you have social media accounts or projects or something that you want people to follow? Uh, no. Uh, that but, is um, good. Do, <laughs> that is good. Nothing, no online presence. Um, but uh, You're if smart. You, if you do hey. want to do something to support anyone, um, take a moment and donate to the um, MS Society. Um, it's mm. a charity that I am active in. That awesome. is a, a wonderful sentiment, and I fully agree with that. 
Um, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where the $100 slot is currently vacant. So if you want to come on the show and have your very own, you, you get to be on the show with us. You get to hang out. You get We'll talk about what you want. You get to talk about what you've been playing. You get to vibe about Avatar The Last Airbender or whatever the heck we're talking about at that given moment. I got to do is sign up at the Patreon. Also, we have a special episode available right now for our patrons. Uh, we had Tim Rogers on for a couple we sure hours. Did. We sure did. <laughs> we sure did. Uh, I, I did not expect to hit him, hit it off with him, but apparently, uh, I think we did. I think we did too. We talked about uh, Taco Tico. Taco Tico. Tico. We also we learned about the deep lore behind Taco Tico. We talked about uh, skunks. Mm. Rats. We sure did. We, we talked about a horrible crime. You want to talk about war crimes? Let's talk about what y'all were proposing we do to skunks. I'm still and and the Discord is complacent and 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 con, like condoning this. And then yes, anded it this week. Y'all, you gotta bring some light back so into we got this Discord. Nadia it's too in deep in the pit. Nadia at one point <laughs> struck Tim into silence, which is something I've never uh, heard what before. What did I say to make that happen again? I don't even remember. Go listen to the episode. Find out. We also talked about RPG-related things, including uh, Tim's appreci- growing appreciation for Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Yuji Hori's uh, successor, you want to say, um, and many other things. A great episode. And of course, go check out Action Button, where he recently posted a review of Boku no Natsu Yasumi. All right. It's time now to talk about what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the blood god. And I just, I'm looking at the notes right now and I'm just seeing in all caps from Eric, anime. anime. That's not a game, <laughs> Eric. Anime the game. I can explain. I've got, this is once again a week where I have to say that I will have more to talk about at a later date about other things that I've been playing this week. But the things that I did do this week that I can talk about, number one, uh, I have been poking around at a final build of Potionomics, which is a game that I've shouted out. I've been here. wanting to play that. Yeah. Um, I am. I am about. I don't know what I'd say. Like maybe halfway into it, but then I've had to put it down for other things. Uh, that game is really rad. If you like the idea of a reseteer type of game, but with just a really, really charming art style, like just effusively charming character design and the idea of mixing slay the spire with item shop management uh works really well I and i that. think i think the thing i was most concerned about was actually how compelling are these systems going to be in the final game once you're actually uh managing the shop running the shop uh how difficult is it going to be turns out the answer is extremely difficult yeah. that game kicks my butt in ways i did not expect it to it is maybe the best video game for understanding just the the pressures of owning a store and trying to stay uh in the black as it were and making profit instead of losing money all the time and boy boy howdy is it is it really surprisingly challenging uh it is lenient in some ways so don't let that scare you off i was just very much like i expected to go in and have some fun chat with my friends, brew some potions, compete in some tournaments. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there 
on like day eight leading into the next competition. Like I don't have my potions ready for the competition. I'm not brewing at a high enough level. I spent all my money on a second cauldron spot. Only the second cauldron I have is, is the worst. It's terrible. It's a bucket (laughs) and I can't brew anything good in it. And it's, it's very, it's very intense. Eric, Uh, you really blew it with that, that cauldron purchase. What did you do? I know. I know I blew it. It's terrible. Um, but I, I'm having a decent time with that. I'll maybe have more to say about it. I am playing other things. I've taken my Get it my together, Eric. Get it together. Sorry. No All more right. buckets. But, but number two, Chainsaw Man episode one premiered this week. Let's go. Everybody okay. go watch Chainsaw Man. Explain like I'm five. Why is everybody obsessed with the game or the, the show about a man who is made of chainsaws? Well, he's not made of chainsaws. Let's get he's not he turns into a chainsaw. Well, I, I just value proposition right there. He turns into a chainsaw fiend. Uh, so this is going to be spoilers for episode one because you can't really talk about the plot of Chainsaw Man without talking about everything that happens in episode one. So just be wary of that. Uh, I also think that you're not going to lose anything by knowing any of these plot details. Uh, so take that with that grain of salt. But if you want to jump ahead like five minutes. Uh, you can feel free to do so if you want to go in completely unknown. Uh, Chainsaw Man is about a boy named Denji and his devil dog named Pachita, who is the most adorable little devil dog who also has a chainsaw mouth. Uh, Denji's dad dies, heavily implied to uh, have taken his own life because he was so deeply indebted to the mob. And now that debt has transferred to Denji and Denji has to work for the mob and has sold his eye and his testicle and other body organs to try and pay off the debt all while also murdering devils for the mob to get money. Anyways, they kill Denji. <laughs> and, oh. um, so is this like spawn, but with chainsaws? Eh, you're not far off there. I know. Uh, okay, so yeah. Denji, Denji comes back uh, through power of magic that I won't get too deep into uh, merges with Pochita and becomes Chainsaw Man and really the I won't go farther than that but um, Chainsaw Man is a story about how systems and the state and capitalism hurt all the people and throw them into the the grist and into the churn to keep the systems running and how the state condones violence against people and even perpetuates it. And it is a deeply political work. It is a deeply emotional work. It is about finding hope in the cracks in which we're allowed to find them and maybe even learning how to have dreams and how the system crushes those dreams because Denji, all he dreams about, he eats a slice of bread every day and he just dreams about the day that one day he'll be able to put jam on that bread. Uh, he literally, that is his wish in life is to have jam on a bread and, and, and go on a date with a girl that is and touch a, a boob. Yeah. And touch a boob. That's, um, a main early driver for Denji. Um, it is Truly, honestly, I can capitalism makes chainsaw men of us all. Yes, um, I I cannot stress enough that I think if you have ever been interested in anime or manga, that Chainsaw Man is one of the more important works that you can watch or view. Really? Uh, I never medium. heard of it until like six months ago, and now everybody talks about it. It's it, part of it is that it has an anime adaptation, and that's yeah. the way these things go. So many times, is is something gets really popular in manga, and then when the anime adaptation comes out, it's a big thing. Mm. Um, and this is like seeing a lot of these scenes animated is already very exciting to to see 
but also like Chainsaw Man was already kind of an outlier where it was because it's a very it kind of deconstructs a little bit and that that gets thrown around a little bit too much in anime especially I think because anime has plenty of deconstruction in its veins and I think it's very easy to be like oh it's a deconstruction and but I do think it is trying to grapple with the reality that it was published in Shonen Jump now it's on Jump Plus which is the online uh, subscription service uh, but it was published in Shonen Jump alongside things like um, God, what's running in Jump today? Is it like Demon Slayer and stuff like that? Um, and it it is a story that is largely about very mature topics. I was going to um, say, isn't Shonen Jump like Shonen? And Chainsaw Man is I, what I've read of it is absolutely not Shonen. Yeah, it is absolutely heavier topics, but I think it handles them very well. And in a way that is very, um, I think it converted a lot of people. Uh, Chainsaw man got super popular, uh, when it was running in jump and has been huge, honestly, for, for a while now, the manga, uh, really like put Fujimoto, who's the author behind it on the map. Uh, a lot of people have been going back to his old works, myself included. Um, and he's done a lot of other stuff that is not just rip tear buzzsaw chainsaw man, <laughs> but, mm. uh, one that is getting published in English next year called Goodbye Airy, which is about uh, a student filming a movie on a phone. And that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> but, oh, dear. Um, mm. He he has this amazing, almost cinematic way of looking at how a manga can work and and how to frame things out and place them in panels to where it feels like you're reading a movie almost. And he has just th- this amazing visual language that he works in with chainsaw man and that's translating very well to the anime and and mappa this the studio behind it that's working on this is one of the hottest studios in anime right now uh and they are doing an incredible job adapting so much of it so like yeah if if i was going to tell someone right now like what is the currently airing anime i want to watch an anime which i watch it's chainsaw man just go watch chainsaw man it's airing right now it's very exciting this first arc is is going to be good and it's only going to get better i i cannot begin to even i don't even want to hint at where it goes it's just it's worth it it's worth the ride and i've it is a a story that has made me ironically very hopeful about how all of us can find joy and happiness and family even amid a society that just crumbles us into dust <laughs> for for its own profit so um yeah it's chainsaw man it's really I good i also have an anime to recommend it's a modern yeah. anime that just started it's on crunchyroll which from oh. mercury the gay the gay gundam uh, I've heard all finally, about this. Yeah, finally Gundam. Is that, <laughs> is that the one people the are saying is like female, The first female it, it is, protagonist. Yeah. yeah, she she bonded and grew up with her Gundam. They're best friends. She goes to a school, and she meets the love of her life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's amazing. And, and oh, I thought she fell in love with the Gundam too. No, no, she's not in love with the Gundam. <laughs> the Gundam's her her sister that she grew up with. Best friend. Okay. Yeah, so, so uh, Witch from Mercury is bizarre. It's mm-hmm, nothing like mm-hmm. your typical Gundam, except the fact that it has Gundams in it, and you know, kind of crunchy sci-fi elements. Uh, VB, you've been watching Witch from Mercury, right? Uh, I didn't know it was airing yet. 
It is Aaron. On, it was on my list of things to watch because I knew that the protagonist was uh, female and I did not know it was going to be that gay. It's um, been making you, the rounds on yeah, queer I've seen, social I've seen media. The, I've seen a couple of the things. I didn't know it was on. Yeah. Um, Beware the Slime says, I thought Gundam Wing was the first gay Gundam. Well, well, true. Technically true. Technically true. Technically, but this is maybe the first, first Les Gundam. Encounters first gay lady in Gundam. space. Excuse me. Did you see the sword fighting scene between Amuro and Shar? Yeah, and that was Tell gay. me there's not tension in that. Come on. It's true. Big Kat, sexual tension Kat, is there. It, is it explicitly gay? It's not build your own gay. Like Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. literally a line that's just like, yeah, like. We're getting okay, you're I my groom. We're getting married. I'm just like, whoa. Okay. okay I, I got I got my post show post show stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> not build your own gay. Uh, <laughs> uh Vivi, you're a special guest. What have you been playing lately? Um I beat Xenoblade three about wow. three Heck weeks yeah. ago. Is it your game uh, of the year? No. Uh, by far no. Um, yes. It was it's <laughs> Can, so can I you really ever go back like... to the game? Did you ever play Xenoblade Chronicles 3 when you said you're going to play? Sorry, Vivi. But like, Kat's like, I'll play it. It's a great game. I'll play it. It's a great game. And then it's like, oh, it was your favorite game? Well, no, not really. Yes. What is this victory cry? I don't understand why you are so happy about the fact that Vivi doesn't choose as sort of game Nadia of the year. Was on, Nadia Ooh, was on Overwatch and the reaction shot just went off. <laughs> <laughs> think it's overrated sorry it's, it, it is i think it's good um it's it's an 8.5 out of 10 it's a, okay it's that's a perfectly, perfectly fine though perfectly good cromulent rpg um i would say cromulent plus um i think the combat <laughs> is a little shallow <laughs> um and the connections to the, the first thing blade which is one of my favorite games ever i've pay, i've played it to completion four times um, i 100 percented it once and i'll never do that again um, but, um, yeah, they make some, co- some connections to, to that. Like they're hinting at, um, like, uh, like a, um, Dark Souls three to Dark Souls one connection. And it never really pans out, um, because they explicitly tell you why things are kind of jumbled. Um, and so you don't get to make that story yourself. And I don't know, it just didn't sit with me the same way it did for everyone else. Um, but after I finished that, I got a steam deck. So I've been playing oh, around cool. with hey, a steam deck. Uh, that yeah. is a, a weird console. It is a console mm, you have to so love. So weird. You have to believe in it. Um, mm-hmm. I got Horizon <laughs> you have to Zero. Believe in it. So yeah, you do. So I got mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn um, on Steam Deck, um, and I, I mean, I, I like the game. It's pretty. It's pretty good. It's, it's an eight point five out of ten. Um, <laughs> Whoa! No! 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 <laughs> it, I I enjoyed it. It was good, but um, it looks fantastic on a on a Steam Deck, and it runs at a setting higher than PlayStation Four, at like thirty frames a second. Um, after you mm-hmm. be- mess with the BIOS, it's it's smooth, it's good. Um, but that that's kind of the key. You got to mess with the BIOS to make yeah. things run well. And then there's a bug where when you turn off the screen and then turn it back on, um, the R stick goes like dead until you Yeesh. hit the weapon select wheel, um, mm. which you have to believe in the Steam Deck to really <laughs> love it. <laughs> it runs on fairy magic. It, it runs wonderfully, except for this one weird the thing. Steam Deck. To... <laughs> Do not taunt Happy Fun Steam Deck. Clap your yeah. hands really... and say, I believe in you, Steam Deck. It might not die when you plug it into your television. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> it might not burst into flames when you take it out. I believe in you, Steam Deck. Please survive being taken out of the house. 
I'm kind of glad I spent the money on a better PC rather than a Steam Deck, frankly. I'm not a PC player, though, because I, I, I work mm. on a computer all day, so I come home. and I Yeah, I understand it. that. So it, it kind of opened up a world of PC games for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, it was really cool to play that on a plane, even though I was hooked into a battery pack that was bigger than a book. <laughs> Takes me way back to the old days when we had to haul that stuff around for, like, Game Gears. Yeah, I finally That's what had... it felt like. Yeah. I finally had my game that, that won me over on the Steam Deck as a platform, and I still... Still cannot talk about it, but oh. look forward to a preview <laughs> to to oh a my. future uh, episode where I can talk about it. But I did have my game that won me over and now I am just downloading everything on the Steam Deck. And I'm like, this is it. it it's what you said, Vivi. It's I work yeah. at my computer. I'm, I'm doing yeah. computer work yeah. right now. And to be able to like lounge on the on the couch with my cat. And 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 some some baseball, some playoff baseball on the TV, and and my Steam Deck right there. It is is luxury. It is oh, luxurious. Yeah, it's, it's cozy. That's what it mm-hmm. is. It's cozy. Mm-hmm. It's a nice cozy little experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it. I don't know. Like so much, so much classic PC gaming, like art, real time strategy, like any strategy game, really. Just straight up is kind of bad on Steam Deck, and it feels yeah. like a giant roll of the dice to get. A lot of more modern games because you go, can the Steam Tech freaking handle this thing? Maybe not. Probably not. I, I've heard good I things about Cyberpunk be... on it, to be fair. That yeah, I've I, heard I a lot get... of people playing Cyberpunk on I it. I watched it's like gonna... a 20 minute video about how to optimize Cyberpunk, and they were still like, that's oh, probably not that great on the, st- the Steam Deck, <laughs> but you know, work. I guess it's portable or something. Well, well, to be fair, they're talking about Cyberpunk. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah that's true. Cyberpunk, yeah. <laughs> I just, I was like, okay, like Valkyrie Elysium. I was like, oh, I could get a PS5 code or I could get a Steam Deck code. I could play this portable, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to run that well on Steam Deck. I wouldn't trust that game to run well on Steam Deck. Exactly. Like, how can I? But that that is publisher and developer side. That is not Steam Deck side. It has not earned my belief. It has not earned my belief yet. I I am probably going to get that Tactics Ogre uh like remaster mm, on the steam yeah. deck and it's gonna sit beautifully on that steam deck because it's gonna have a little bit more horsepower than the switch behind it right i want that little bit of I want that little bit of bump I how want much that horsepower does, does tunic runs yeah does tunic run at 60 fps on it i don't know if tunic runs at 60 that's a good question what's the point how does okay. tunic run on the switch oh well, tunic runs yeah. at like 30 on the switch doesn't it yeah well just buy it on the is switch it, then for god is it sake. consistent though like the frame rate the only thing that's good about the Steam Deck is that it's really customizable. I- I'll give it that. Amazing customization. I would like you for the emulation. Is it? Yeah. Is it Somebody 30. like figured out how to plug in a GBA port thing so you can actually literally play GBA. Of course games they on. did. Like, yeah. That's kind of okay. neat. Except I already own an analog pocket, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. At that point, like for that amount of money that you were spending, just buy a modded gbasp or whatever yeah. you want to get but I, for sure i think i think it's good if you're just like if if you're like me and you're not a big pc gamer and you're looking for that entry point it's pretty mm. plug and play mm-hmm. Not the it, has, it, has the pix, it has the ff pixel remasters yes thank final you fantasy five final yeah, fantasy five doesn't even that. launch on it why are you launching final fantasy 5 when final fantasy 4 is right there i was gonna say they're doing you a favor cat (laughs) 5 is really good don't diss 5 at these okay i just have gilgamesh Gilgamesh we're going back to the rankings (laughs) look i'll acknowledge that 4 is better (laughs) i'll acknowledge that 4 is better at this point but hey don't don't big up 4 at the expense of 5 5 is a wonderful rpg 
Just saying. But it won't run on the Steam Deck mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. It won't anyway. run on a PlayStation 2 either. If you have what the hell is wrong with this game? Is it, does it just not want to run in North America? Oh, oh I'm not doing anything for any dumb Americans. You're going Sense back to this quest. in the wrong region. <laughs> Final Fantasy US uh, for you. But a lot of people love the Steam Deck, so there is that. And I love Vivi's description of if you believe real hard in it. You have to believe real them. hard. You have to mm-hmm. believe in the promise. I think. Try- I think... The triple A's are gonna come to like come out to support it like a minimum kind of spec. Yeah, Steam point. Deck settings I mean, are becoming like more of a forward, thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'll probably like get better over time, but it, right now it's it's it feels a whole lot like a Sega Nomad that got strapped on. Yes, to a that's Vita. what I'm thinking of. Not yeah. the game gear. Yeah. Which Nomad. I have to love. So. Boy, mm-hmm. great great reference points there. Mm-hmm. A Sega Nomad. Woo. <laughs> that's what My I husband want really wants one. Day. It is it feels a little cyberpunky in a way like I was doing a transfer to do some things on it because it runs on Linux. And so I was having to do some goofy stuff between my computer and the steam deck. So I had all these cables out and I was like jacking in and doing cool stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm cyberpunk. And really it was just so I could play more games on my steam deck, but (laughs) that's the experience. Allegedly. (laughs) But that's the experience of the steam deck, right? I mean, just playing it is the game. Yeah, I got it to tinker. The game is the made It's good for tinkering. Yeah, people love tinkering with the damn thing. But as an end user, I find it a little disappointing. But now I can't sell it because it's widely available. Congratulations, Uh you could just buy your Steam Deck. (laughs) You could just buy it off the shelf. How dare you, Valve? It's going to at least sell it on a profit. How dare you not create artificial scarcity for me? (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. The game that I am playing is on my analog pocket. I picked up Pokemon Pinball, Ruby, and Sapphire on a whim. Ooh. Oh, boy. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. They're like Pokemon two boards. So it's a, a Ruby board and a Sapphire board. It's really mm-hmm. bringing me back to the Halcyon days of Pokemon, Ruby, and Sapphire Gen 3. Uh, the, the vibes, the, the art aesthetic, the, the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The actual board is a little bit simple. You're just shooting around, uh, trying to get the ball into different places so that you can catch Pokemon and evolve them. And uh, it's very forgiving, and you can keep them up for a long time. I was thinking back to the days of uh, Kirby's Pinball, where you would actually go up up levels. Um, I'm starting to say that uh, after a little while, it got a little repetitive. That's Pinball. 
that's pinball for you. But oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like we got some killer pinball machines over at the IGN office. Like there's a Star Wars pinball a, machine. Do you have a Tommy machine? I love the Tommy machine. I don't know what a Tommy machine is. Based like on the Broadway wizard? play. Pinball wizard has to play pinball. Does nobody know Tommy? I know Tommy's no. the Who song. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have you seen oh. the movie? Pinball wizard. Out of this world. Yeah. Totally on drugs. Okay. And Where I saw the Broadway play. That's what I'm talking about. I don't. I know more what we're talking about anymore. But Pokemon, uh, I, I agree. Uh, super move. The Gen Three vibes are super cool in mm-hmm. uh, Pokemon. It's really bringing me back, and it looks amazing on the analog pocket, a handheld in which everything does run and looks amazing consistently. Uh, analog pocket greater than Steam Deck. That's my that's my take on the thing. Also, uh, say a prayer for me because I'm. Big time into FIFA right now, and I can't pull uh, myself for away. For frick's sake, you said you are going to give it up when we talked last there. time, Kat. God, God doesn't go down there. God doesn't no. go anywhere near FIFA because no, God has no. wisdom, and we do not. Help are me. you excited that that's just going to be a free-to-play game at some point? Like, did you see the numbers for Overwatch 2? How many, like, millions of people tuned in? And Why? EA's got to be looking at that and just be like, let's just make foot free, free-to-play foot. Why would they foot. do that? Why would they do that? Because more they just people broke, would play They just it. broke another record. They they sold ten million units, like immediately. And, That's and just Overwatch people paying two had literally twenty. Overwatch two had twenty five million players. <laughs> yeah, but they sold immediately at a full price, and then they make more money than God from FIFA Ultimate Team. It'd be like Final Fantasy fourteen going free to play. It doesn't have to. Yeah, no, I, I, I would not be surprised to, to see free up to oh, level up until the heavens were level sixty with the expansion heavens word. Yeah, meme alert. I, I, I see that happening someday. I honestly do. Final Fantasy going free to play? No, no, foot. Like, oh, like okay. FIFA Ultimate Team going free to play. We've been saying that for 10 years. I haven't and been saying that for 10 years. EA, EA and 2K have been sitting there going, hell no, we're not going to do that. Here's, a, here's one reason why. The sports leagues don't want them to. The sports leagues enjoy having the uh, prestige of a full release coming out each year yeah they don't want it to be a service game okay hmm. it's part of the promotion of the league it's part of the advertising strategy part of the but, hype isn't it but, like but football's yeah. football's buying into fortnite football's loving fortnite and fortnite's free to play like the v bucks jerseys and stuff are popular that's you know little... how many times i've been dabbed on by a dude in a cowboys jersey more than that's... once and that's a little jarring <laughs> i think that fortnite <laughs> microtransactions and cosmetic items is a little different than a full-blown simulation that is basically the product that you're putting on the field mm. so okay yeah okay yeah but uh yeah so i i don't see these games going free to play anytime soon though fifa or ea is about to this is the last fifa it's going to be ea sports fc oh, right or whatever everybody's just going to keep <laughs> yeah. calling it fifa yeah, what else are they going to call it yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go play some EA Sports FC. <laughs> uh, they won't be, but they they'll be bargaining with individual leagues at that point. They won't be mm-hmm. bargaining with mm. FIFA anymore. Yeah, so interesting. I wonder if yeah. What a mess! Gonna try. Is FIFA going to try and make their own? Is FIFA going to try and rope somebody into that? I mean, yeah, maybe, um, but they won't. They might have the FIFA name and. I but I you predict have to... another Harvest Moon mess. Harvest Moon. Yeah, slash story story, story of soccer and harvest. Story of soccer. I, I can't think of a funny FIFA name for moon. Harvest Moon that involves yeah, <laughs> Foot Moon. Foot Moon. 
Allow me to sit here for the next 30 minutes and talk about licensing and sports games. Actually, no. Please don't. Um, my final thought is uh, Valkyrie Elysium. I've been playing it on and off. It's weird. Somebody compared it to Devil May Cry. I, it's kind of like that, actually. It's each. It's not an RPG in the traditional sense. It has levels. Like each level is. It's structured like Devil May Cry in that in sense. It even has ratings at the end of the game. At, at the end of each levels. Yeah, it's kind of neat though. You know, I'm, I'm kind of digging it. Um, there's an interlude where you go back to uh, Valhalla, and it has some of that classic music from Valkyrie Profile. I'm like. This game doesn't deserve any of this, but I'm appreciating the vibes. Um, I'm kind of into the weird Witcher thing where you're tracking uh, the voices of the the, the Ein Harrier. It handles Ein Harrier better than Valkyrie Profile 2 in the sense that it actually kind of gives some stories and that kind of thing. Story is still very weird. I I don't know what's going on. It doesn't feel connected at all to the uh, original Valkyrie Profile, but... Um, here's the funny thing. I got a, a backbone controller oh. and for my, I, uh, my iPhone, I've been remote playing my PS five and that's my couch solution. And honestly, mm. I like it better than I do the steam deck. That's, that's, uh, my final thought on that. Do you point. find the latencies all right on that? Yeah, yeah that was my I question. Think, yeah. You have to plug in the PS five or the Xbox. Like you absolutely have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, if you got a good enough Wi-Fi connection in your house, it feels amazing. Mm. I was pretty shocked. And also, the backbone itself is very comfy, much smaller. Um, it's I don't even have to think about it. It's just like I just grab the controller, put my phone into it, and the next thing I know, I'm playing games on it. So I bought it Dang. kind of... I literally bought a backbone because I wanted to be able to log into my Madden account on the road so that I could uh, sign up for this league that I'm in. And then I just kept playing on it. And it's like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. So there you go. Backbone. Um, Nadia, talk to me about Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, basically, I was saying before you got on here that I finished the Pandemonium Raid, which is like the latest set of raids. And uh, I mean, I can't say too much without spoiling, but I'm thinking to myself, dear God, you have the Final Fantasy VII Ancients and one of them is Hojo. That's all I'll say. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. The music is just incredible. It's just like Soken said, hey, everyone, we're going to do Evanescence. And everyone said, yay. And so you have like two, (laughs) at least two songs that are just totally like early 2000s stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sitting there, I feel like I'm listening to my husband's like CD changer on in his Jeep. Like that's that's how it feels to me. And it's so good. But yeah, I really enjoyed the raids. Uh, That story is not particularly finished yet. I did level up my island to level 10. I can now fly on my island. That did was you get a, the motorcycle? Did you I save up? I haven't gotten the motorcycle yet because I just looked at it today. Rules. I'm like, holy shit, that's an ATV. You can get an ATV on your it's, it's on, so on, in Final Fantasy VII, 14. I got to get that shit. Like, I, I love, am just all I love over my that. motorcycle. Yeah. I once rode an ATV and fell off it, and it was great. Uh, there's also been playing, um, still working on Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Cat. And uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I actually came across like a really devastating side quest storyline. Like, Eric, how far have you gotten in the game? <laughs> I'm still <That's-> recovering. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> ZWA Chronicles 3. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I don't hate it. It's a good game. Um, I'm, I am on. 8.5 out of 10. I am yeah. on the last <laughs> chapter, uh, like, without. 
I, I, I'm on the last chapter, uh, but I've I've kind of been pausing to go back and do some of the side stuff. I think yeah, I'm that's what still I've been doing. missing two of the like party member characters, the the heroes that you can get. I think they might be post game. No, not those ones. I know oh, those okay. ones. They're, like these, they're still like marked out on the screen. And yeah, I think I know what. In fact, it might only be one because I think I just got the other one, but. Uh, I just I've I've been kind of just vibing in that world. Uh, I put it down for a long time, and now I'm kind of like, you know, thinking about when I'm going to pick it back up because I do want to finish it. But it's one of those games where I got distracted, and now I'm just in other stuff, and so I need to set aside. I need to find like a weekend where I can just be like, I am finishing Xenoblade Chronicles three this weekend. But part of me doesn't want to be done with it, you know. Part of me doesn't want it to be over. I just I really let it end. Let it end. No, advice. I just enjoy DLC it. coming and just that is know. true. There is save, DLC save, coming. Save, save a little I do want the end for the I do want to get DLC. the machine girl. The machine girl looks looks neat. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is because did you get these side quests where you unlock Senna's uh, overclass to level twenty? No, so I've only Shoot. bumped the one class up to its whatever limit break. Yeah, no, I've done two. I did the one for. The Yum Smith. I won't say which character that is, oh, yeah, but the yeah. Yum That's Smith cute. quest line. That was fun. I, I did Tyons, and Tyons is very good. Like Tyons is alarmingly good it, to the point where I was like, "This is missable side quest content." It's the same with like That's the what I'm saying the uh, the Signifer quest, the where you get the the class oh, where you have the, the flag the, and you, you the you little build tiny around. Irish fake children. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe them. that's just a side quest. Like that's, that's just something quest. you can miss. Like, but the the one so I good. saw, the one I'm talking about, is probably one of the best side quests I've I've ever done in an RPG. Okay. It's like it's okay. up there with like the 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 ironic Eevee deaths from Sun and Moon for me. Um, okay, Viv, uh, Vivi, did you happen to see it unlock uh, Senna's? Yes, I did. I did all the the character quests except uh, like the main cast i did all of those mm, okay right all right because right. i Senna's was real good Senna's was great that was yeah, just Senna's one of those like good. holy crap i'm crying and i have to go to see a wrestling show in an hour sort of a quest but oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i did that finished shovel knight dig which was a really fun little downwell clone mm-hmm. uh, i think i can keep playing it and get like you know whatever hard mode i want to do but i just kind of finished it i'm like well this is i think i found everything i need to find that was great i really enjoyed that and i recommend it to anyone who likes downwell or just shuffle night action games uh fun stuff i i might pick up xenoblade chronicles 3 again um i'm not out on it or anything it's just i've i find it hard to emotionally commit to the game because it feels like one of those games that you settle down with a pair of headphones on and like you vibe with it. And I'm just a, uh, what's, what's the word? A multitasking video gamer. <laughs> so mm. I, 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 when I have my switch out, my favorite kind of game, it's the kind of game that I can watch a show while also playing a video game. You should play Shovel Knight like, then. Dig. That's why I like, uh, that's why I like Bravely Default 2 so much. Mm. Maybe. Uh, because boy oh boy could I just grind jobs while uh, watching whatever I I think we were watching True Blood yeah anyway uh, you can't watch True Blood while playing Xenoblade Xenoblade demands all of your attention and I think that's an admirable trait 
to be had in an RPG, but I just need to, uh, to, to get my brain feeling less scrambled. It's kind of firing all over the place lately. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll, uh, pick it up again at some point. I believe in you. Yeah. I'm, Really glad that so that many was people the most threatening. I believe in you. I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can make it more threatening if you want. Yeah, I. Hmm. Uh, I, I think a game has to really be truly special and amazing to truly like drag me into the point where like I don't want to put it in down for like a hundred hours. So uh, Elden Ring is still my game of the year. Anyway, mm. it's probably mm-hmm. still mine too. Xenoblade probably just second. Anyway, that's it for what we have been playing. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. Pokemon Gen 7 is about to end with Pokemon Sword and Shield officially uh, ending support next month. Or is it Gen 8? I can't remember. We're heading into Gen 9, right? Who even knows? I think it was Gen 8. I don't know anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I can't keep track of all the Pokemons. But needless to say, uh, Game Freak wants you to move on to Scarlet and Violet. Gosh darn it. Sword and Shield's done. A major D&D game is in development from Invoke Studios using Unreal Engine 5. It's the D&D renaissance. But why would you play that when you've got Baldur's Gate 3 coming up? I mean, come on. Uh, Persona 3 and 4 are coming to modern platforms in January 2023. And this is an interesting one. The Xbox Series XS is the only one that's receiving native ports. The Weird. PlayStation 5 is just getting uh, the PS4 version, but on backwards compatibility. So, not as good, maybe. Though, it should be in 60 FPS, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. Uh, Todd Howard talked about Starfield's hard sci-fi approach, revealed the dialogue system in a new video. It's going to have, like, a lot more dialogue in Skyrim. It just seems like an absolutely enormous game uh can't wait now there's a game that's going to capture my attention for like 250 hours i'm just going to live in my spaceship uh cyberpunk 2077 has revealed its uh, official transfer method from those folks who are still playing it on stadia mod it's also added cyber psychosis just like in edge runners and finally final fantasy 7 the first soldier mobile game is shutting down in january 2023 it launched back in 2021 so it didn't last very long R-I-P. Our main topic this week is Valkyria Chronicles, which was chosen by our special guest, BB. BB, why did you choose Valkyria Chronicles for this episode? Because, dang it, I want it to go into the Pantheon, uh, and I have to make a case for it. That's fair. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, we've uh, mm-hmm. it's been voted on a couple times at this point, we, but I don't think uh, it's been actually chosen. What what about this game touches your heart, BB? So I, I grew up as a Sega kid, and um, mm-hmm. especially when the like the Sega Dreamcast came out, like that was that was the really like the um, I think the last time I said I would have traded it for a PlayStation was FF8, uh, but then Skies of Arcadia came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, like, Sega's RPGs have always just um, really appealed to me. So, Shining Force, Fantasy Star, um, and uh, Valkyria Chronicles is like someone took all of the best things about those games um, 
it's got the tactics of the Shining Force. It's got the story of Fantasy Star. It's got the uh, the wonder of Skies of Arcadia, mm-hmm. um, and it just mixed mm-hmm. it all together mm-hmm. and stuck it um, literally with the Skies of Arcadia characters. Um, yeah, that's like, right. They're there. <laughs> all mm-hmm. together, um, and it told a really uh, moving story about war. Um, uh, it's told a moving story about love, and um, it also um, played with um, some themes that uh, other games typically haven't. Um, so things like genocide, um, scarcity, mm-hmm. scarcity of resources. I think we've talked about Valkyria Chronicles on the show in the past, specifically when uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4 came out. It's an old fave of mine as well. So it's come up on this show a time or two. But uh, let's talk very quickly about its history. It's a collaboration between uh, Shuntaro Tanaka and Ryutaro Nonaka, who worked on uh, neighboring teams. Both of them worked on Sakura Wars and Sakura Tyson. Its initial pitch was Galleon Panzers, and no platform was designed uh, decided early. Uh, the earliest form of Valkyria Chronicles was a traditional tactical sim game with an overhead view. Nonaka compared it to Shogi and said players would feel little emotional investment in the characters that way. Then came the the Blitz system, which combined tactical elements with real-time action. Um, and it had an AP system, which was to kind of emulate the fear of battle and make a wrong move, which is to say, basically, you had your party of characters. You could move them a certain amount on the battlefield and mm-hmm. the little mm-hmm. gar- until the gauge would run out and you would try and find your way to cover. It's not that different uh, from XCOM in many ways, except that it's not really point and click. You like actually move them around with the controller. It's like a third person shooter almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But a little it's bit. not, it, it's still governed by stats. So e- mm-hmm. like, even if you mm-hmm. aim at the head, there's still a chance you'll miss. There's a dice. There roll sure is. Right. There you right. can literally <laughs> be next to an enemy and be like, yeah, boop, 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 and they'll be like, and I missed. I'm resetting. They just duck. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the worst. Yeah, and one of the things I love about Valkyrie Chronicle, Valkyria Chronicles, I'm going to make that mistake a lot. I make it up for you. Yeah, see, that's the crossover we need. Uh, one of the things I love about Valkyria Chronicles, Chronicles is the actual AP system because it has that, as you use a character over and over again, it will cost you more of your turn to do so so you can either move everybody a little bit or you could move one person a lot and that also like has an added factor of stressing a character out to some degree i love i I love the idea of overexerting a character in an rpg system right Mm -hmm. like the idea that can a character push beyond just a little bit and how far are you willing to like redline these characters to get the results that you want in battle versus as as you know we we saw from the history there, they wanted you to have emotional investment in these characters too. All of the characters have really great personality quirks. And that's, that's not just, you know, Oh, I like this or I dislike that, but it's also, they will like freak out under certain circumstances or will excel in other circumstances. And they have personality traits that affect them in the midst of battle. And I think that's one of the coolest things about this game is it, gives you this level of attachment to this brigade that you build up over the course of the game and then and then has you exert them it has you push them to their limits because these are militia members these are not trained soldiers these are normal people who have been handed a rifle and told to defend their homeland you know and it's 
oh fuck your chronicles is such a good game it's so good <laughs> it's so, it's so and, good and like the relationships that those characters have with each other matters Absolutely. because you can put mm-hmm. like if you group people that like each other together they get like boons like mm-hmm. as they as mm-hmm. they move around um and then if you pe- put people that don't like each other around uh it, it takes away like it gives them a, a stat uh, decrease what's that mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. debuff a debuff but yeah some of the characters are gay Mm-hmm. But it's not Who's explicitly said. It shows up in their traits. I some think of them I remember. Have tra- some of them have crushes on other characters. Right. Yeah, yes. I, I yes. think I remember that. Like, I know I've talked about the game before about its representation of Jewish characters, which is done through the Darkson. And uh, how one thing I really, really liked about the way it was interpreted is that, number one, it wasn't just like, oh, they're they're victims. It was like they were on the field fighting and they had a special bond with each other, which is pretty relatable. Uh, but also just how the good guys, like one of the, the debuffs we were talking about was Darkson Hater, which is like, mm. I don't want to yes. fight with a Darkson because I will, I don't Some like them. Some of them are them. racist. They're extremely gamified racist. gamified racism. <laughs> but, yeah, but, gamified racism. But it works. But it changes later. Mm-hmm. It does change. So they, it does and change. they grow. So mm-hmm. it's really neat the way they grow. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's good. But I just like the fact that here's the quote unquote good guys. And yes, they mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. terribly racist because that's just the mm-hmm. way it was in well all the time. But just because you're on the quote unquote right side doesn't mean you're you're not going to be a, a total freaking jerk about it. Oh yes, America was very anti-Semitic during World War II. We don't like to talk <laughs> about that whole thing. It's like no. we didn't allow Jewish uh, refugees into the country who they were forced to go back to Germany, etc. Uh, wasn't amazing, but it wasn't yeah. the greatest. Yeah. Valkyria Chronicles was very much a blend of World War II with uh, fantasy elements, um, and the, the enemies were basically modeled on Imperial Germany more than Nazi Germany, though, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a supremacy aspect to it. You're basically mm-hmm. fighting Kaiser Wilhelm as the final boss. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there are several direct references to World War II, such as like the Maginot Line. You're a small country. You're basically the Netherlands trapped in between, or maybe Belgium, trapped mm-hmm. between two superpowers. And uh, when you are invaded by the, the game stand-in for Imperial Germany, you have to, normal people must band together to defend mm-hmm. their community. And you learn a lot about how they, you know, you have the one character who wants to be an idol and you have another character who wants to be a baker. Um, and honestly, it grounds these characters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm watching them come together as a unit to defend their home, even though it's been done many times, it's still, it doesn't make it any less moving. I, I like its take on war outside of the superpower stuff. It's very Gundam. It really does feel like a kind of war where you are talking about like uh, militia defending mm-hmm. themselves because mm-hmm. you're fighting on like hills and amongst like windmills and stuff like that. It's very... Yeah. This is a battlefield, and even though it was like once for, I don't know, you, you were playing with your kid the other day, now it's, uh, now you got to shoot someone on it. Sorry. Yeah. It, it reminds me of things like Red Dawn or Defiance or, or, or stories like that Red that Dawn. are about, uh, I, look, you want to talk about a movie? I love Red Dawn, the original really? Red Dawn. I, it is, it was one of my favorite movies growing up. I loved that movie. Is that the Wolverine's one? Favorite part, the jingoism? 
I, look, it, <laughs> even even today, it is a very damning indictment in many ways of the culture that was around it. So young me was like, yeah, Wolverines. And old me was like, oh, boy, this is really bleak, isn't it? Um, no, Gotta my, love my the favorite. idea of Cuba invading the United States in the 80s. Uh, my my sure favorite did. part is is the ending because it still gets me every time. It is a very mm. sad ending, and and it uh, really to bring it back around to Valkyria Chronicles uh, reminds you of the toll that war takes on everybody because you get to see how all these kids had dreams and ideals and just wanted to grow up and have a high school life and live normal lives, and they weren't allowed to because of the powers that be that thrust them into this position and, and took so many things from them. And that's what Valkyria Chronicles is about. Cause again, these characters can die. <laughs> these characters sure can. can go away. Very fire and, emblem in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of me feels like it is not appropriate to roll those ones back. I know that many of us are safe scummers, uh, myself <laughs> included, Yes, but there I is something the step-by-step guide to get through it because I felt like I had to, because if you don't do the puzzle as it were, you're probably mm. going to die. Like mm. you're going to have, you're just going to have a bad time. Like some or, of the level, later levels are really hard. Yeah. Yeah. The later. Yeah. Levels, yeah. You can also, um, Alicia, I believe the main character, you can also just run her through the entire <laughs> game solo. Essentially. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's kind of a, a bit of a superman. A bit there. overpowered, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> And, and that was, you know, that we could talk about gameplay balance and, and how other games dealt with that later. But I do think the narrative around it is what makes it really special, because I think back on on games like Final Fantasy Tactics, obviously, is is another game I think of where I think the most compelling tactics stories are about the common people caught up in the grander machinations of yeah. what is happening. And uh yeah it's it's you know how are the the common folk affected by this and how are their lives just kind of trampled or do they care about it do they care who's sitting on that throne honestly while all the Mm. lords and and nobles are squabbling and and sending soldiers to die and kill for it like does the farmer care no but then the army arrives on his doorstep and he has no choice but to fight and it's i think that's a very compelling place to put a tactics game and especially to make these characters largely for the most part very common folks who have to deal with this stuff rather than you know like oh we're secretly nobles or whatever like that's uh it's a very compelling setup for for valkyria chronicles that i liked a lot it does something really cool with that community aspect too because mm-hmm. it, in the storytelling it's certainly about about the community aspect and then um with you know the characters can be friends with each other and they can get their different buffs for it um but one of the things i i, I really love that it did and um I, I had trouble playing ta- uh, tactics games forever, uh, but there's a mechanic in this one where when you level up, you don't level up a character, you level up a class. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that class mm-hmm. gets shared between all of the characters uh, at the same time. So you're not yeah. really, it's it, like in Final Fantasy Tactics, you have this really great character and then they die. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to go back and either restart the battle or just accept the loss. Um, and in this one, it seemed like, um, like, it was it was more concerned with um, go play with the the different um, roles that you have. Don't worry about mm-hmm. whether or not someone's you know level ten or level four. We'll make them mm-hmm. all the same level, um, and just go out and have fun. Uh, so I always enjoyed that about it. I agree. That's a good point. Uh, I feel like 
am I wrong in thinking they eventually nerfed the scouts? I, I seem to remember blasting through this game with scouts. By, by, by the time <laughs> yeah, by we got to like VC4. Yeah. Yeah. The like VC4 addresses that for sure. Later in the game, a, you know, a scout can't take out a tank. You definitely need not you, with you that need attitude. To use, <laughs> you, you need to use you need to use the Edelweiss, like really the the tank. You need to use your tank smartly. Snipers mm-hmm. are very powerful yeah. in this one, um, and you probably need at least one rocket person to be able to mm-hmm. deal with some of the heavy armor that you're going to encounter in the game. Yeah, like snipers are really terrific for getting to objectives very quickly, and you have to basically run them through the entire battlefield. But then mm-hmm. also Salvaria standing up on the top of a tower, yeah. spraying mm-hmm. you with a freaking minigun. So it's not mm-hmm. the be-all and end-all. No, they're very much the Pegasus knights of the game. Yeah, I, I love I love that you brought up the tanks because I do think the way this game handles mm-hmm. armor is super cool. The way that yeah. it has weak points and you have to try and target the those. The big but often... glowing weak point. Shoot this! Yeah, but so... I mean, fun, huh? number one, that's a very accurate to tank design. And and I always think of and like you want to talk about companion pieces for for this. I always think of Band of Brothers when it comes to that, because there is the um, I think it's Operation Market Garden in the Band of Brothers HBO miniseries where they're storming the town and the the tank commander is just like, well, we'll go ahead. We'll just, we'll, we'll forge on ahead. And there's a German tank on the other side that's just sitting there positioned perfectly. And it's got its front armor and its front cannon facing forward towards where they're all coming in. And that's, that's tank strategy right there. That's good crunchy tactics right there where superior position and, and they have the armor facing the right direction and knowing where your weak points are and orienting around it. Like Valkyrie Chronicles has a very, for for a game that is a mix of action third person shooter and like big top down almost like moving tiles on a board tactics it gets the moment to moment uh positioning and uh covering fire and kind of moving and shooting of on the ground shooting tactics just down really well it does it yeah. very very well um it's also got that uh sakimoto score Oh god! Oh, yeah. there's music. Yeah. Oh god, it's his best. Mm-hmm. It's his best work, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's great. I think that Valkyria Chronicles, in some ways, is what made it special. Has been lost a little bit because when this game came out, it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful games to come out on a console back in 2008. That the, the art, the artistry of mm-hmm. the graphics just looked magnificent. On our little 720p monitors, <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't it? It was a, it was available in 1080p though. It looked really dang good. It looked amazing. It was, a, it was PS3, right? So yeah, like yeah, it would have been 1080p. showcase game on the PS3, mm-hmm. and you know we were all just adopting HD monitors for the first time. So seeing this game was just like mind blowing. You want to talk about a proof of concept for? Yeah, in no. fact, I think you mentioned Cat that for basically the early part of HD culture in north america you were in japan where there was just nothing in the way of hd so it must have been like fun coming over here and saying holy crap everything's twice as big now and a game like Mm -hmm. valkyrie chronicles is going to look amazing on on hd that's what it's built for i I think i i I think i mentioned that the first time i saw bioshock i was just like oh Mm. my god Mm -hmm. i I couldn't believe it It that that was uh, arkham asylum for me was that moment where seeing that in hd for the first time i was just blown away 
It was amazing. That and the original Modern Warfare? Yeah. Shocking. Yep. Shocking. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Xbox 360. And then a couple of years later, I get back from America and the games look so much better. It was absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, they really felt like they had gone to another level. But um, when it came to uh, Valkyria Chronicles, of course, we've also talked about this. It was also a dark time to be an RPG fan. It was a dark time oh, to yeah. be a fan mm-hmm. of games mm-hmm. from Japan. And you know, so many of these games, like we're this was the years of like Last Remnant and stuff. Apologies to Last Remnant fans. <laughs> yeah, really janky Unreal Engine games that just looked absolutely miserable. Uh, mainstream media, the lamestream media were just dunking on Japanese games and RPGs all the time. They're like, why are these games? Why are we playing turn based games? Just turn them into action games. Everything should be action games. And Developers were following suit and trying to turn like Front Mission into a freaking mech uh, action game. It was yeah, dark times. Yeah. Square Enix was like, well, we're not going to play. They made Final Fantasy 13 and then they abandoned the true way of making turn based RPGs. It made me pretty sad. But I, I will go to bat for 13. Uh, mm-hmm. that, oh, that, the first mm-hmm. one is mm-hmm. great. Well, VV, mm-hmm. let's get you on <laughs> a third time. And you can do that. <laughs> that. That soundtrack, top five Final Fantasy oh, soundtrack. Yeah. Top it five. is great. so good. It top is great. Five. I think that people, maybe Final Fantasy Thirteen has improved in the esteem of many people. I've, I've, I know a few Final Fantasy Thirteen stands at that time, but at the time when Valkyria Chronicles came out, Final Fantasy Thirteen was still kind of a glimmer of our in our eye. It was a, still a troubled mm-hmm. project back then so valkyria chronicles boy we just held on to whatever the heck we it was could get. just a, me- a great mm-hmm. memory of of jrpgs even though it kind of like is more of a tactics game kind of both i suppose but ga- graphics like that games like that just did not come out at that time it was such a, a rare treat i actually just small diversion if you go to see like a sega movie these days like one of the sonic movies you'll see like the sega logo it has to make made up of mm-hmm. yeah it's in there the games. it's in there like you it's see it very there. front it's and center <laughs> yeah and every time it's I great see it, yeah I, I also think that one thing to note about Valkyria Chronicles is the art style has aged very well. It, it, it mm. still looks mm-hmm. really good, which is something you can't say for many games of that generation. Sure. But uh, I noticed it again because I was maybe browsing around my Steam library on the Steam Deck the other night and going like, oh, man, I bet Valkyria Chronicles rips on the Steam Deck. I bet that owns. Uh, and yeah, narrator, yeah. it does. It does. It does. <laughs> Uh, it's I want those games right that does rip on the Steam Deck. Not yeah. gonna lie, you can still play on the Switch too, but whatever. Um, it, it doesn't run very well on Switch and DOS. Does not run very well. I will uh, tell you, yeah, it, it, the frame rate is uh, yeah. really four seems to I be think, okay. I think they ported the PS4 remaster to the Switch instead of the PS3 version, which ran perfectly uh, fine. And mm-hmm. so it like it it tries to hit that 1080p and I don't think it does. I think it just because I, yeah. I, I first played the game on the PlayStation 4. I played the remake because uh, of course I everyone like missed the PS3 version, I suppose. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's when I first kind of really got into it. And it uh, rules in handheld. Uh, it looks really yeah. good on that Switch OLED. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. Oh, I love the Switch OLED. Holy yeah. crap! Like I I want to go back to four now and, and play that again. That was such a yeah, Switch idea. OLED is a system you don't have to believe in. There you go, right? That's a. It doesn't change your belief. It's It's above faith. (laughs) I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 looks incredible on it. Just like, oh man, I can't go back. 
Yeah, I'm Xenoblade like, Chronicles Three looks incredible on it, cat. <laughs> sure. Get this pe- these peasant visuals away. Do you know from why me. I like Valkyria Chronicles Three more than I like Xenoblade Chronicles Three? Wait, Valkyria Chronicles Three? Three? I like Val- I like Valkyria Chronicles One oh, okay, better okay. than Xenoblade Chronicles okay, that makes sense. Three. They're both games about people who are trapped in the middle of war and are mm-hmm. like don't necessarily want this. And it's an exploration of this. And I think Xenoblade Chronicles 3 does a good job of it, but it's so high concept mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to achieve buy-in in a way that I could with Valkyria Chronicles, which was fantastical in many ways. I mean, it has super, you know, super Saiyan characters like in the Valkyria mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of that. But it felt grounded and familiar and real to me in a way that, I struggle to, to me, achieve man. with Val- with Xenoblade. Does the cast of Valkyria Chronicles know how babies are made? Like, do, do they understand <laughs> I, the oh, concept oh, they, of sex? They established that within the first hour, buddy. That's the new chart. It's the new checkmark on RPGs as we go uh, through them is, does the cast do they know, know what sex does is? Cloud <laughs> know? Does Cloud no, know? No, Cloud does babies? not know. Cloud is a virgin. No. So do we one, just need to go thing, through uh, all of them? Just like all of the RPGs? Zach. Zach Fair. Well, Zach. Knows. Zach knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zach knows. Zach, oh, he knows. Zach wrote the manual. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's one, uh, like, Cloud, we need to have a talk. <laughs> one thing about that story with Valkyria Chronicles. that I, I, I was replaying it this week um, in prep for this. And um, I'm also watching Star Trek Enterprise, which is a very... Um, Iraq War, Star Trek, um, and so it it kind of struck me that um, Valkyria Chronicles came out in what '07, sometime. So it's being developed during that time frame, um, and I I guess at the time it is completely skipped over my my head that the or I just didn't acknowledge it. Um, but that game was about resource scarcity because they're all after the um, the Ragnite that um, Gallia right. has. Um, and so it, it's interesting to see different games play with that, especially as as that um, period of time kind of went through. Um, and I think that's that's part of why that game feels kind of familiar and very easy to relate to, um, because it does take kind of this historical setting and also plays with um, the current events of of the uh, the early aughts. No, for sure. Yeah, that was a very specific and interesting time in video game commentary let's just say a lot of people made their games around that idea of well we were in iraq and well canada wasn't but yeah everyone most people were in iraq and uh canada it was very wasn't. volatile canada, canada oh god no we we oh. really got it from you guys because we wow. did not go to the war man <laughs> we not were part of the coalition not, of the willing we, we were did the, not we were the, go to the war <laughs> we did not go to Iraq and we got like bombed by Fox News. Like you don't understand how angry red. they were. <laughs> and I, I would go to uh, the States a lot because I was when I, I was married to like travel down to the States a lot in that time. And like uh, they just they were not happy with us and we were not happy with them. It was not a good time for Canada and the U.S. Wow, that's so interesting. Well, boy, I could talk all day about about that war, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this war instead. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles, when it came out, every I really wanted this game to do well. I, I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote about it at length over on the old The Grind blog on oneup.com. Mm-hmm. And I uh, it did not sell well, actually. Uh, sold quite poorly in the United States. 
because uh, it was a tactics game and people weren't into the anime, sadly, despite it being critically acclaimed and getting good word of mouth. But say, but it did well in Japan, uh, you know, relatively speaking. And Sega went all in on it. They were like, this is it. We got a franchise. They turned it into like an anime, a very bad anime. It's very I've bad. Seen it. It's mm-hmm. not very good mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they uh, also turned it into a sequel on the PSP that was very stripped mm-hmm. down, but added mm-hmm. a lot of stuff and gave it mm-hmm. a high school setting. And it's just like, oh, oh no. Was, yeah. It's no. kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, was that Revolution? Yeah. That no, was no. Kyria Chronicles 2. Yeah. Oh, okay. two. And they, they've changed the, the character classes so everyone levels up individually. Uh, so why they, do you yeah, do so that? They, and three never it's even mobile. came over here. Yes. Yeah. Three was much better. It was more like the Dirty Dozen. Um, okay. It never came. And it had like a cool its storytelling was in this cool kind of manga layout. It was, mm. I, I think it looked a lot. It was still kind of limited in the same way that Valkyria Chronicles 2 was. Like Valkyria Chronicles had these bite-sized, 2 had these bite-sized maps compared to the much more expansive Valkyria Chronicles 1. And 3 still had that problem. But they were at least marginally more interesting, and uh, the, the presentation was far and away superior to uh, Valkyria Chronicles 2. And then for a long time, nothing happened, except Valkyria the Revolution, one of the worst That's games God. I've ever played. We, we, we played that for Blood God once, and it was so hilarious. I was laughing my ass off, because oh. it was one of those games where the protagonist had to be really tough in that, like, or a Japanese developer making a Western character way that was popular mm-hmm. at the time. It was so bad. I was laughing my ass off. I was having a great time until I had to play it. <laughs> yeah, I had to review that one for 1UP, and boy, oh boy, that... Uh, oh, still... <laughs> I'm sorry. Not 1UP, uh, US Gamer. Yeah. I was going to say, that was that was the USG era. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was during the Blood God era, so if you go back mm-hmm. into the back catalog somewhere, you'll you'll find me talking about that game. It was really boring. It the, was the so thing, boring. The thing that stood out to me was Valkyria Chronicles was about normal people banding together to protect their mm-hmm. homes. Mm-hmm. It's very white base in that regard, except instead of a spaceship, you have a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, in Valkyria Revolution, it's a lot of people sitting around at a table talking at a very high level about strategy. They're like, wow, we should be moving forward, moving these troops around. And it's like, it's not relatable in the same way. As sure as a PSP game, no resources. Combat was not good either. No, combat was terrible. Mm -hmm. It was on both the PS4 and the Vita. The the Vita version was pretty bad, though. That's the one I played. It was pretty garbage. It was on Xbox as well. Um, And at the time, I only had an Xbox when it came out. Just threw that one over there, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See if it lands. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Boink. Bounced right off into the sea. Uh, But... Thankfully, Sega turned around and said, okay, but they released uh, remastered versions of Valkyria Chronicles, uh, the original. Yes, that was great. Also, they released Valkyria Chronicles 4, which was very much a return to form Mm -hmm. for the series. Uh, I think a lot of people would argue that maybe 4 was mechanically superior to the original game. I would say um, that, yeah. It was pretty good. Notions of... Uh, dealing with the the hell of a cold winter, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. kind of got there that across. There were some spectacular cold maps in that. And, and yes, yeah. there are some great ones. I've done several uh, times over. I played four all the way up to the very end. I was in the final battle. I've saved just before I was going to fire the last shot at the final oh, boss. Oh dear! And I've never beaten it, and that was five years ago. 
<laughs> I understand that feeling. I don't know why people do that, but I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> I just I, loved it. I loved four. And not like I, I talked earlier about how I love the crunchy tactics on the ground tactics. I think the introduction of indirect fire through mortars and things like that. Mortars added, are great. Added so much to that game because it just added this new dimension of fighting. But also it is one of the few times where I felt like it understood the idea of having a spotter. And so, like, yeah. you know, you had a mortar team, which had a lot of range. And, you know, Riley, the the mortar character was one of my favorite characters. Uh but you had to kind of use, you know, the the sniper and the scouts to like see where it is you were going mm-hmm. to try and land these shots and and get them down and get them scouted out. And also mortars were not an immediate answer. You know, they were an answer for our, uh, infantry, but they did not take care of tanks. You know, they were I felt like VC4 really understood the idea of like taking on an entrenched position and like a held position. And you had these characters that were very much like the, the SMG guy that was one of your main crew was, he was basically all about like storming a held position and, you know, like just running through fire and getting in there, but then you get the mortars and you'd have like these other ideas of dealing with them. And I just think VC4 took, very smart decisions about how to take what was in VC one and then add more dimensions to it without losing what made VC one so interesting in the first place. It, it adds a lot, but it doesn't have the same characters. That's I think that's no, yeah, the character kind of the characters. Have, yeah. It got yeah. very, it, it went more anime. Yes. Um, yeah. I do like the the side quests though. I think it had fantastic side quests, and it got even though the characters, the main ca- the main cast wasn't quite as good as the first cast. The side characters were great. Like um, there was one quest I loved where one like every man uh, scout is on a mission. He has the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. He's Roger Craig Smith, and he's been paired with some girl who's telling him, "You're gonna die out there. You're gonna leave your family like you know crying, and they're gonna be they're, they're gonna be so mad at you." And she's just like cursing them and then you have a guy who's terrified and doesn't want to do anything and here's just mm-hmm. like the sonic the hedgehog voice geez guys let's all cheer up you know i'm a family guy and it just <laughs> just like the, the contrast with i just want amazing. a chili dog i just want a chili dog i was laughing the whole way through but yeah there was some i remember there was one character a lancer who was like a mom and mm-hmm. she would say make good choices and i always think that to myself make good choices whenever i'm gonna do blows a tank up <laughs> blows a tank or screws it up for some reason she always died under my watch she just things always went wrong with her but like make good choices oh i'm dead but <laughs> yeah there were some great side characters there also the sniper who hated people but he had the cutest little bear hat nor mm, yes yep north or something like that like mm-hmm. he was just like he'd shoot someone through the head and say circle of life. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's wow, going to start the circle of life. Pew! Basically, well, he's like, well, that's one less human to breed. And that was his whole concept. Like, jeez, oh, that was it. <laughs> Finally, a radical uh, environmentalist with a sniper rifle. He was an incel with a sniper rifle. And there was like some chum chick character like hitting on him. And he's like, are you trying to come on to me? Because I don't, I'm not into that because then we might breed and then we'd add to the population. And that's like really bad. I'm like, oh, this guy's messed up and he has a great hat. I love this. <laughs> well, Valkyria Chronicles had the original version of that, which was uh, Marina, the wolf, hmm. the lone wolf. The lone wolf, yes. Hated people would sit in the sniper wolf nest to just shoot them. Very good mm-hmm. stuff. But today- Today, Valkyria Chronicles. Oh, a lot has changed in the years since. Anime is popular now. People have embraced cel shaded games. Tactics games 
are flourishing, or at least they are flourishing with Square Enix. Uh, Square Enix Heck really yeah. loves their tactics games. And uh, it's a much happier time. And Valkyria Chronicles um, is often cited. People like will put it up there with uh, XCOM 2. I'm sure we'll talk about it for the Pantheon at some point. But for now, we'll just have a little Pantheon mini for uh, the weekly episodes. BTW, if you, uh, if you want to hear much deeper explorations of these games, uh, patreon.com, you can go check out our, our monthly Pantheon of the Blood God episodes. I don't know if we've done... Oh, yeah, we did Final Fantasy Tactics. We haven't done Valkyria Chronicles. We have not. So. We I would love to, that. though. Well, so, it's, it's, it's the audience's choice. It's it's This is the call <laughs> to arms. This is the call to action right here. I use my yeah. power as the sorceress to... Uh... She's using her <laughs> powers for good. Um, but final thoughts on Valkyria Chronicles, Vivi. Uh, it's great. Everyone should play it. Uh, it's regularly on sale for less than five dollars. Uh, sure is. So I mean, you really can't uh, argue with that kind of bargain, and it runs no. great on Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to believe. You don't have to believe. <laughs> you can be an atheist and enjoy Valkyria Chronicles on your Steam Deck. <laughs> No, um, I was just looking ahead on the notes, and I just saw. Oh yeah, no, I just I've, saw I've the done note that already. On not oh, his yeah, nostalgia. I've, I've seen the nostalgia pit already. Oh, it's... now you look. Yeah. Just what did I write? It, it, it just one. momentarily broke my brain. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, but yeah, first, that one. Yeah, let's talk about Adama, Autumn of Avatar, our ongoing Avatar: The Last Airbender. We are on book two, uh, episode 34 and episode through episode 36, City of Walls and Secrets through Appa's last days or Appa's worst day ever. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I can't I can't bear to watch Appa suffer, y'all. It's a bad time. But Appa's been lost for a while now. Um but finally, like maybe Appa's going to come home. But let's start with uh, City of Walls and Secrets, which is a, a pretty Pretty uh, meaty episode. A lot happens in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this also AKA Avatar? They go to North Korea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there much is. It. There's no war in Boston. No yeah, I'm your handler. Hi. Oh, yeah. the the <laughs> ending scene of that episode still gets me every time. Where where it's just. Hi, I'm your handler. I am yes. her. There's no war in Bossing Say, and it's just like, oh, it's chills every time. It's so good. Um, she loves to pop up into the camera with this big grin. Hi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what happened? I know the implications are not good, but yeah. Oh, no, it, no. Judy, the, I think her name was. Ju- the, Judy. Judy. Yeah. I, I always end up calling her Judy. But, I think that's um, probably the implication. Yeah, the original handler, uh, whose name was probably not Judy either. It was probably yeah. something else. But uh, the original handler is probably uh, in a bad place right now as, as a major, new one takes her place. <laughs> major Handmaid's Tale vibes if you've read the book. Like with the... Yeah. Uh, when Offred gets her replacement for the the woman who's walking with mm-hmm. her, and yeah, it was very mm-hmm. much of it. This is there's no war in Bossing Say moment. Um, Same thing. I I love this episode. This is obviously like these three episodes. The reason why I blocked this week out the way it is is because these three episodes are very talked about episodes. They are well remembered ones, and so I want to make sure we had some space for them uh, amid the season. And City Walls and Secrets 
I think is really cool because not only do we get to see more of the earth nation and a really cool like portrayal of the earth nation, you have these Metro lines that are pushed by Earthbenders along rails and you see just how big the city is. It's huge. It's massive. And they have this massive wall to keep them uh, safe ostensibly, but it also keeps the outside world out. And they're very big about making sure that refugees uh, that come in are like on board with, we had the scene with jet where jet gets captured and slowly gets brainwashed by the daily. And we, with the daily now the culture police of bossing say um, it is, I think just an incredible thing for avatar to just drop in to be like, Hey, guess what? We're tackling extremely, mature political themes all of a sudden in this kid's show about the ideas of nationalism and maintaining order and culture through military force. And we never see the earth King, huh? Does the earth King even matter? Cause the daily looks like the one in charge. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I love this. I, episode I do so like much. how the, re- the way they get in is there's, Oh, the King is throwing a birthday party for his bear. Oh, it's platypus bear. Oh, is mole there? No, just a bear. Just a bear. I love that. Just a bear. Like, and there's like that guy that says, I paid the extra money to sit next to the bear. <laughs> I, to I paid to get these tickets to sit next to the bear. Shut up. You're ruining my time. I paid a lot of money to sit next Has to the bear. The bear is my hero, as far as I'm concerned. I like um There was uh, a lot of contrast I found very interesting about this episode. Like the walls a land and of very contrast, rigid. you might say. It is. The wa- Bossing say it's a land of contrast, but no, not Bossing say itself, but. Uh, Aang says like this is exactly how the Nomads taught us not to live like with all the walls mm-hmm. and everyone's sequestered in their spots and they say very explicitly this is where the poor people live and this is where the rich people live and <laughs> you kind of get the idea this place has been stagnating for a very 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 long time but that's also the reason I guess why they kept the Fire Nation out because it's just so fortified and so set in its ways yeah you think about what would happen to a country that is maybe the last holdout against an absolutely massive invasion by a a neighboring country and Mm -hmm. also they suffered through a horrific uh, siege and everything Mm -hmm. yeah they're probably going to get a little weird you want to say and that's pretty much what what happened to bossing say um and then the next episode and and apparently this is quite a a famous one and it was Mm -hmm. really good actually it was basically 22 short stories about springfield springfield yeah Mm -hmm. but it Mm -hmm. was uh tales the tales of uh, uh, what was it called, Eric? Uh, the tales, tales of Bossing Say. Bossing Say. Ta- yeah. Tales yeah. of Bossing Say. So it was basically just little short stories, little snippets mm-hmm. of each of these characters, starting with uh, Toph and uh, Katara, and continuing on. The best of them, of course, is uh, the tale of Iroh. Oh, and uh, I didn't realize that the original actor uh, Makoto mm-hmm. Iwamatsu, the voice actor of Iroh. I had esophageal cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. passed away. I believe it was, it was in July, 2006. Um, uh, eventually Greg Baldwin would take over his, his role as well as taking over his role of, as, as Aku, which he was also the voice actor of Aku. Oh, in, I didn't know in that. Samurai Jack. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I was kind of wondering if y'all knew about some of that stuff going in, because when that, dedication card hits in the middle uh right after what is honestly one of the most emotionally devastating scenes in the whole series of like seeing we knew that iroh had you know 
done the siege at bossing say for the fire nation and had lost mm-hmm. his son in the process. Mm-hmm. But what I think this does is it really ties that into the way that he acts with Zuko, the way that he acts with other characters. You can see that like losing his son in the war destroyed him and he doesn't want to see more young men lost, like losing their lives in this war. He's he teaches the the robber how to have a better stance, but then also how to like believe in himself and have confidence. And he works with with the kids, and he's working with Zuko. And and oh my god, the tale of Zuko is also one of my favorites. Oh, the tale of Zuko. I love the, tale of the worst day. I ever. love the tale of Zuko. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's very sweet. I love Iroh looking out the window, waiting for Zuko to come back. Um, yeah, I love their little tea shop. I oh, do. their tea shop is so nice. It's great. Yeah. It's very wholesome. Mm-hmm. As usual, mm-hmm. uh, Zuko and Iroh have the best story. And I like, mm-hmm. I did the, through these first two episodes. So I was also kind of like, can we please get Aang Appa back? Because oh my god, like he's just he's a sad boy. Zuko has problems. He's going through it. You know, he's having a tough time. Yeah. Uh, I also love the tale of Momo. I thought that was <laughs> that was one I did not <laughs> yeah. remember as well, yeah. and that both set up the Appa's lost days very well, but also yeah, that was, like, that was really good. It was nice to see Momo get a little bit like Momo got a nice little thing. And then the way it ends with him curled up in Appa's paw print is just, yeah. again, this, this show now knows that it has its hooks in you in certain places and can start to tug on them and really like ratchet up the emotion. And oh. all of the, all of the, um, the writers really obviously know the characters well and feel very confident with them. Yeah. And are yes. just having fun. And For sure. uh, that is apparent well, in this one. Sokka doing because, slam poetry. <laughs> yeah, that yes. was funny. Slam that haiku was, was great. That was, uh, was very good, yeah. I like the zoo for some reason. I just thought the, the, zoo was the animals rampaging uh-huh. is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not surprised really nice at all. I'm not surprised yeah. at all that you like that one, Nadia. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, mayhem. And then finally, we have Appa's last days, or lost days, sorry. Last days. Where- lost, <laughs> lost days. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> a slight ch- change of meaning here. Appa's lost days, in which we watched Appa get tortured. Like, boy, oh, boy. Yes. That's what I want in an episode. Um, Amazing episode for portraying, I think, like, very real depictions of what, you know, animal abuse looks like. Cat bus? Do you want to yeah. see the cat bus abused for uh, 25 minutes? We got an episode it's- for you. It's definitely one that I think probably inspired many vegans and vegetarians in my generation um, because Appa, I was no, watching this. fictional creature. I need to stop eating meat. I mean, I say this yeah. as a pescatarian. It's actually, but seriously, I, I am. I am almost certain that I know at least a few people who saw this episode and were like, I'm going to reconsider my relationship with meats and other meat products and stuff like that. Hey, um, however you get there, whatever. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would think uh, it's more of a statement against the circus, which it certainly is. And circuses oh, are pretty absolutely. much dead now, thankfully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just another really great episode. And then we we also get a spotlight on another character that we haven't seen much. We get to see Suki uh, mm. up to some hijinks. We get to see the the awesome teen girl squad rolling around, still hunting Aang, uh, using Appa's fur, because <laughs> that's the best lead they've got <laughs> that's right smart. now. I have to say that's a pretty good mm-hmm. trail to follow. Um, yeah, it's it's a really like it brings things together in a lot of ways. I think these three episodes are really great standouts of how the Avatar team took some of the ideas of 
you know, episodic storytelling from season one and said, like, what can we do to build the world with this and really feel like we're still tying everything into the progression of Aang's journey without feeling like we're just doing, oh, here's the encounter of the week. Here's yeah, the thing yeah. we're doing this week because it all feels like it is still moving the plot forward. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the tales of the Avatar were much more, shall we say, or tales of Bossing Say was much more of an interlude where they were like kind of just having a fun doing a little bit of a character study. But I agree that Appa's Lost Days does move the story forward. A thought that I had while watching these three episodes was one of the things I like about Avatar The Last Airbender is it's very much a show for kids, but I don't know. I can't think of many shows for kids that teach emotional intelligence Mm. as in, (laughs) um, all of the characters at various points struggle in some way. Mm. And it's really quite wise in dispensing advice on how to communicate and talk about your feelings and, you know, work with people who are suffering and deal with grief and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of kids shows and even maybe shows for adults, uh, they are predicated on, shall we say miscommunication or dumb communication yeah, that kind of thing yes, characters being absolutely. stupid mm-hmm. avatar never does that and i appreciate that for sure mm-hmm. yeah i i still feel like this it's really weird that at this point in the show i'm like this is the zuko show with ang and the gang sometimes showing up but <laughs> i'm so gang. like band name with every new episode i'm still very much like i i just love seeing zuko's journey zuko is is still one of my favorite characters and uh his watching it again now i am really struck by the ways in which they handle that character in a kid's show uh we've had so many cool episodes i think even the the tale of zuko in tales of bossing say uh handles some of that really well because he's struggling with the idea of who he is and where he's living and whether he's whether he deserves happiness, like, is he allowed to have happiness? Um, Spoiler. I, no, I, no, no. Um, Vivi, are you an avatar fan? What's your relationship with the series? Uh, I avoid, well, my, my partner is a, a big fan and I, uh, I never got into it. It was just past my, uh, like I, I was just past the age, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Same. Um, so this is the first time I'm watching it. Um, I took this as my excuse to watch it. Um, I did not like the first couple of episodes, and then by the time uh, my birthday rolled around about a month ago, um, my partner threw me a giant uh, Avatar party at an arcade. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. And with an Terrible. Avatar cake, and um, I had like just watched these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, was just mm-hmm. ecstatic that Appa was still alive. Mm-hmm. So, alive <laughs> oh. um, but, but yeah, that would have really been a powerful this. move um, to kill off Appa. <laughs> well, oh, I'm so happy been they, riots they in the don't. streets. So great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this show. Um, I'm looking forward to the tabletop game, the the role playing uh, yeah. game that yeah. they've announced. Um, that's a that's a good engine too. I think Sword Lesbians is based on that. Well, that's it for this week's Autumn of Avatar segment. We'll keep on watching Avatar The Last Airbender. And uh, yeah, we're we're getting not that far away from our our book two recap. Eric, what are the next episodes? I'm so glad you asked because the next set of episodes will bring us 
to the conclusion of book two. It will be uh, Lake Laogai up through the crossroads of destiny, which is the last episode of book two. So that sounds very endy. Yeah, we will be coming up on the end of book two pretty soon here and recording the special for that. But uh, oh, boy, book two finale. I am quite excited for <laughs> at this point, like. From here on out, I'm just not to, to set y'all up or anything. It's all bangers. It's all nothing but good stuff. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. It's so it's so endearing to watch Eric just being so excited to show us uh, all of this stuff. I know I've been on the other side of that. You're just like, yeah, but this is the best part. I can't wait to yeah. watch it. So. <laughs> we only got to watch three episodes this week. It was like nothing. Just three. You know how hard it was to not watch the next set of episodes. We're going this to week. turn off this episode and Eric's just going to sit down Avatar time. I, I am. I literally am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Um, okay. Nadia, oh, no. take us home. <laughs> I like to save good pits for it's spoiler pit for when we have guests. So um, the reason why Pat oh, and this Eric is a vintage pit, yes, oh, <laughs> pulling no. it off the top shelf. <laughs> it, I mean, it is. It's one of my better ones. Uh, the reason why Cat and Eric are groaning is because I wrote down in the notes, uh, "quote the tampon incident." Uh, I've been through several tampon incidents, but this one in particular happened when. <laughs> <laughs> I was a uh, I, I used to work at Canada's Wonderland as a janitor. Uh, this was in 1999, I think. And um, here's my advice to all young people out there who still have to take those jobs that really kind of suck, those menial, you know, service jobs. Never, ever go for anything behind a cash register. Never, ever go through anything behind a, a, a retail counter. Go for custodial work. Yes, it's gross. Yes, it's disgusting. Yes, some kid will pee on the coaster and you have to clean it up. But you are so free to do anything you want. And nobody's really, like, nobody's watching you. Nobody's, like, sewing up your pockets so you can't steal anything. It's great. Okay, so anyway, uh, one of our play- favorite places to kind of hang out and do nothing was uh, in the washrooms of each of the, uh, so each of the washrooms in the area had, like, kind of a room where you could keep, like, supplies and cleaning stuff. And one of the things there was a big ass box of uh, sanitary stuff. And this is for the machines that never work anyway. So uh, one day we're all just kind of sitting there and this is me and like my crew. Of course I worked with a bunch of guys and I think I was probably like one of like two girls on the crew. And one guy was like, one guy named Kamar was like, Hey, you know, what if you take that tampon and throw it in that bucket of water, watch it expand. It's going to be really funny. So we took this tampon and he threw it in the water and of course it expanded and we're like, <laughs> and then somebody, another kid, I don't know how he knew how to do this, but he took the tampon and kind of swung it by the string and said, going up and threw it up on the ceiling where it stuck. <laughs> and the tail, if you want to call it that, the string just kind of dangled down and we'd lost our minds. And so throughout the rest of the season, we're all just kind of like taking random tampons and throwing them up on the ceiling and like letting them dangle there. And uh, at one point, I was switched to another crew for the day. And they were worse than us. Like they were the front gate crew. They were like in hell. They knew it. They didn't care. So of course, they're effing around in the supply room instead of working like we always do. 
And they're like, hey, look at this trick we learned. And they did the tampon thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you guys. We started that. Like, I'm so glad it, it, it like spread like a virus across all the crews in the in the park. Because I was like in like the kitty land, like Hanna-Barbera, Nickelodeon, some crap SpongeBob stuff. And like these guys were in the front gate, like I said, like the other way of the park. And it's like, ah, oh, we are all united through vandalizing these tampons. And uh, yeah. I also learned how to write on the floor with the toilet cleaner and it would leave us mark, but I'm going to save that one for another day. Uh, that was a good, I got in a lot of trouble for that eventually, but yeah, that was. So it's, it's, it's like what you used to do in school where you would throw a pencil or a pen up and stick it into the ceiling. You're just doing this with tampons. We never did the, 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 the pencil thing. What we did was with the uh, toilet paper when you were in a, uh, in a washroom as a kid, you you'd wet that and throw it up in the ceiling. There'd be an announcement the next day saying, stop that. Yeah. No, we used to we used to use the uh, the the pens and the pencils, and you'd flick them up and try to stick them in sharp side up because then they would jam into the ceiling. We never did that, but I have seen that on The Simpsons, and it's really funny. Mm-hmm. I was speaking of The Simpsons. It made me think of apparently the little bit of lore about. I guess there was a piece of melted caramel or something stuck to the ceiling of the writers' room, <laughs> and it eventually made its way into an actual episode. But, so but, say, is that uh, where the gummy bear came from or the, the gummy the waffle. statue? I'm thinking the waffle. <laughs> no, I was thinking what, yeah. there's the episode where, where Homer goes reaching Go, for the gummy, the gummy thing. Venus de Milo. The, the, one, gummy, yeah, the gummy Venus, Venus. Yeah, de Milo. Yeah. Milo. yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's the, gummy. Stop saying gummy. <laughs> there's the famous pizza on the roof in Breaking Bad where apparently uh-huh, uh-huh. Th- that house is a real house. And apparently people will just show up and throw pizzas on the roof. And they're like, please don't do that. Please do not throw the pizza on my roof. But then on, like, on, on Fridays, they're out there with a the box like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Free pizza. Mm, sacrilegious. No, we were, uh, we were nasty little goblins. I remember also one time we were kind of sitting there in the back room talking. And this was like, anime was very slow to come to Canada for some reason. But Teletoon had was showing Ninja Scroll that particular weekend. And mm, all the guys mm. wouldn't, talk about, wouldn't stop talking about how oh my God, his mouth went around her boob and I had no idea what that meant because I didn't watch Ninja, Ninja Scroll. <laughs> they were freaking out about, Ninja, about this this particular scene. It's a I double pit. Seen, I thought I had seen Ninja Scroll, <laughs> but I don't know what you're talking about. So no. <laughs> no. And on that note, that's the end of this <laughs> episode. Go back to the plug on. I'm holding the plug on this before yeah, you probably should. Before it goes further down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God knows what happens when I'm not around. I don't want to even know. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Nothing happened last week. It's all good. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of Axel Blog God. We'll be heading into the post show in just a hot second. Thank you so much to our stars of destiny who joined us uh, from the peanut gallery this week. And we were joined by Peeps, Abby of the Moon, Akuma Joe, Dragula, Amy, Azixa, Beware the Slimes, Dank Ruka, Drew RWX, EJ, Cal L, Not Hollow, Super Moop, and of course, Vivi. Vivi, thank you so much for coming on the show, yes. and thank you so much for your generous support. We really appreciate it. No, thank you. And we really appreciate it. Having the opportunity to talk about Valkyria Chronicles. I never get tired of talking about that one. Yeah, I can talk about it all day. <laughs> As always, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Capot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at CMOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We'll be back next week for another episode of Axel Blood God. Who knows what deaths we will plunge to <laughs> in the next 
not his nostalgia pit. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventure. Say goodbye.